See if I can find my Bible here. Here we go. Well, it's a new year. 2014. Here we go. Or there we go. 2015. Here we go. Right? Is that, is that what? It's going to be a while. I'll probably write 2014 um, in my journal and um, on checks and whatnot. Does anyone write checks anymore? Uh, every once in a while. Yeah, we still use some checks every once in a while. I'll probably forget and backdate my checks a year or so, at least for a few weeks. Um, but as, we, uh, as we're looking forward to the, um, the new year, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people make resolutions. Ever make resolutions? Who's made a resolution for this year? Nobody. <laughs> so nobody here makes resolutions. Okay, that's... Is that encouraged? I don't know if I should be encouraged or not by that. Um, but most people make resolutions because um, there's something about 2014 didn't go like they wanted, right? Something about 2014 wasn't quite the way they wanted. They didn't quite uh, meet the happiness quotient that they were shooting for. Um, they figure, you know my life could be a lot more blessed in 2015 if maybe I made this change. Uh, maybe I'll exercise more. Maybe I'll diet more. Maybe I'll read more books. Maybe I'll watch more TV this year. Maybe I'll make more money this year. I don't know. What, whatever it is. We, we, want to, um, we, want to, we want to have a blessed life, right? Everyone wants to live a blessed life. Everyone wants to be happy. But it seems like whatever we seem to do um, doesn't quite pinpoint, you know, pinpoint the happiness, the blessing that we're really hoping to get, right? So, um, yet, well, yet we still pursue it. Um, before we read the, uh, the text for the message this morning, um, I wanted to. I want to remind you of uh, a, a story, um, a story we heard just a moment ago uh, in our scripture reading. It's a story about two men. Two men. Each one of these men wanted to live a blessed life. I, I assume that. I think that's in. There's probably implied. They each built a house. They were each working on their lives. They wanted to build something. And they wanted to um, have happiness. The, our homes give us security, give us shelter, um, give us a lot of joy. That's where we gather. That's where our family lives. Um, and these two men really wanted to have a blessed life. And they knew that this home, this house that they were building, was going to be necessary to their happiness. Um, one of them found a beautiful spot to build. The uh, scenery, was, scenery was beautiful. Um, maybe it was, um, I don't know, maybe it was lakefront property or something, something like that. Maybe it was settled right next to uh, a, a beautiful river. Um, maybe, it was, maybe it was near the ocean. It had a great view of the ocean. And they could just walk right out of their house and immediately go up onto the beach and just enjoy the beauty. And he thought, this looks like a great place to build my house. It, but it was very sandy. You know the story. He builds his house on this very sandy plot of land. But he did it in haste. He, he said, let me set up my house because I've got a lot of other things to do. Let me just get through what I get, get the basics down. Let me just get this structure up so that I have a place to sleep, live, etc. But I've got other things on my um, other things um, to do. I've got demands on my time. I've I've got a busy life to lead. I can't spend time on the foundation of this house because then I'll never get the house actually built right. It'll never actually. I just spend all this time on the foundation. I'll waste a lot of time that I could be doing a lot of other productive things. Things that are going to give my life happiness and meaning and things that will bless me, things that will give me success. So the man did it. Built his house right there on the sandy, maybe it was the sandy beach, let's just say it was a beach. 
builds, builds it on the sandy beach. He's got his house there. It's beautiful. The weather is wonderful. What could go wrong? And he went out and, ha- and, and lived his life. And it, it was a life marked by success. Well, the other one, the other man looked at the land and he saw, wow, there are some really beautiful sandy spots for me to build my house. But if I don't have a strong foundation, what could possibly happen? What could possibly happen? Well, if I look to this other land, it's higher up, it's on rock, and I'll have to build down, I'll have to really dig deep, I'll really have to, you know, get into the rock and, and pour the footings and, and then I'll have to make sure that everything's really stable. This is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of self-discipline. But if I can do that, then everything that I build on that foundation, on that rock, is going to be secure. It's going to be lasting. It's going to be steady. And then... When I spend time at work, when I spend time with my family, when life gets really busy, I know I have that foundation to rely on. So people, people knew this man and they, they would talk about him as he went through his life. And they said, you know, this man's really grounded. There's something about this guy. You know, his life has focus and it has purpose. Well, the difference obviously between the two houses came when, when the storm came. When a great storm came through, it was probably a hurricane, came right up that beach and wiped out the first house, completely washed away. No foundation, no structure, no integrity to it. The man's success didn't keep his house from, from floating away, right? It didn't prevent his house from completely failing. The happiness that he pursued throughout his life could not last. But the second man's house remained firm on the foundation, didn't it? It remained firm. Everything that he built was retained. Oh, sure, there was some wear and tear. Maybe you're going to have to replace a little siding here and there. Maybe um, maybe some, some, some structural stuff will have to... Um, be looked at, but mostly just the ornamental type stuff, I suppose. The foundation's firm and the house remained. His life remained blessed despite the storm that he went through. We have a guide, don't we? And this psalm, Psalm 1, which is what we'll look at this morning, is... Is, is basically our introduction to living a blessed life. How to live a blessed life? Most of us want to know what the answer to that is. Is it, is it how we, is it organization? We just kind of organize our time, put the rocks in first, put the sand in on top of that, then pour the water in after that. That way we have a, our priorities set for our lives. Is it, is it making sure that we're, we're good with our money? We've got that all worked out. Okay, that's, well, as long as we have that, we're going to live a blessed life. Is it our relationships? I mean, if we, if we just get these relationships right, if we, just, if we make sure that our, our families are taken care of and they're happy and they're satisfied, that's a blessed life. We got it covered. We got it nailed. What is it? Psalm 1. Follow along with me as I read aloud. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make this um, word alive to our hearts. God, um, speak through me. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we leave here this morning, we will have heard your voice speaking to us, calling us to a life that is truly blessed, a life that will result in happiness and joy in you that can never be taken away. pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me just tell you up front that we live a blessed life according to God's word. Or I should say, by living according to God's word. So if we're looking for the answer, how to live a blessed life, that's it. We live a blessed life by living according to God's word. That's exactly what this passage says. And consider what God's word is. In this, in this passage, um, in this psalm, the psalmist refers to God's word as the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. His rules, um, the law, that word in Hebrew is Torah. The Torah. The, the law, the rules that he set down. And, and it's, it's easy to look at, at, at the Bible as, okay, rules. But it's really more of a story, right? We've seen that. We've talked about that many times um, last summer in our summer children's program, the children learned that it's the story of God. It's the story of God. And that that story can become our story as we realize God is doing this for us. The story of God, His law, don't get thrown off by law and just start thinking in terms of its rules, how, do this, don't do that. But it's really all-encompassing of God's Word. His revelation to us about who He is and what He's done. It's the way that the way of God, His character, His nature, what He is about that we learn when we go to the Bible, when we go to God's Word. And it shows us then, of course, how to live our own lives. That's according to God's word. So, let's look briefly at just a few things. I don't know if you're taking notes or not, but we're going to look at a few things and we'll see what a blessed person does or, um, or what really characterizes his life. What is this blessed person? Well, first of all, look in verses 1 and 2. A blessed person dissociates is that, does that work? Dissociates. He is not associated with sin. He dissociates from sin. In other words, look at, he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Um, he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, another way of putting these, these are my paraphrases. He avoids worldly counsel. So if you are in the habit of getting your advice from um, Dear Abby or Dear Anne, I think that's still published in newspapers, or say from the horoscope, or say from Dr. Phil or Oprah, or whoever else is out there nowadays, um, if you're watching The View... And you're going, ah, okay, so that's what I should think about stuff. If you're watching, alternatively, Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, and you're going, okay, so that's what I should think about things in the world. That's how I should think about life. Well, got news for you. You may be walking in the counsel of the wicked. <laughs> you may be listening to worldly counsel. How are you to discern whether that counsel is godly or wicked, according to God's word. Do you know God's word? Can you assess life from the point of view of God and his word? 
So uh, avoid worldly counsel. Or how about this? Stands in the way of sinners. Another way of looking at that is um, this godly person refuses to live in sin. To walk, or excuse me, the way, nor stands in the way. The way is a path, a road, something you travel down. And, and in the Hebrew um, scriptures, it's just a, it's a euphemism or uh, kind of a, a metaphor for life. Living your life. The way of sinners is just a sinful way of living life. So, a, a blessed person refuses to practice sin. Identifies those things that, I'm not going to do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I shouldn't do that anymore. I'm a child of God. I belong to Him. That's not, that's not the way of life that I should be living. And refuses to walk or refuses to, in this case, stand in the way of sinners. Another, another uh, the next phrase, sits in the seat of scoffers. Another way of looking at that, to sit in or to dwell in, to, is to make your home somewhere. To make your home somewhere. So, so this scoffing or mocking, some of our translations say, the seat of scoffers, the seat of mockers, there's no mocking in this home. Our home is not characterized by making fun of good. We don't make fun of what is good. We don't scoff at godliness. We avoid those things. We dissociate from those things. Some people have looked at this and, and, this and seen this, um, this kind of progression. We walk, right? We walk and then we kind of slow down. We kind of stand around. And then before we know it, we're like, we're just going to sit down. Let me just sit down here and, and just kind of hang out in sin. And it could be, it could be that, it could be that that's what the psalmist was intending to show how easy it is to progress in the way of sin. And Yet, at the same time, each one of those sort of illustrates maybe a different facet of what the godly person is supposed to avoid. So all of these, all of these are really, in a sense, synonymous with each other. And they indicate a life that is completely void of God and His ways. Wicked, sinners, scoffers. But... But a blessed person delights in God's word. Not only dissociates from sin, but delights in God's word. That is, that finds delight or joy is another way of putting that. Or, or knows what, in other words, he knows what's really going to make him happy. It's not the temporariness of sin. But a blessed person is fully happy and joyful in knowing and doing God's Word. He knows that there is more to life than just the normal, everyday routine of trying to get by, trying to survive, or trying to seek pleasure and happiness in the stuff of creation. He knows that there is somebody, something, the one, God behind it all. And he wants to pursue Him. Jesus quoted this in his temptation, this verse from Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word is what a blessed person lives by and delights in. Do you delight in the Bible? I wonder, I mean, have you ever gauged your emotional connection to the Bible? There are many days where in reading the Bible, or not, <laughs> I don't feel a, a, a strong emotional attachment to it. But when I discipline myself to be in the Word on a daily basis, I find my joy increasing. There's something about 
a, uh, a desire for something and the desire being satisfied, but then the desire growing. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes we desire... <laughs> uh, what was it the other day? Well, cookies. <laughs> I, I have a strong desire for cookies. But I eat a few of them. And what happens to my desire? Typically. It goes down. Right? I satisfy that desire. And then before long... There's this kind of a sickening feeling that you get to, when you think about one more cookie, <laughs> one more piece of cake, or whatever it might be. And some of you, you just get sick of things. God's Word is not like that. I don't think we could ever possibly exhaust God's Word. We can't exhaust what we can learn from it. None of us will ever know everything there is to know from God's Word. We may know the story. We may be able to quote chapter and verse. But we will walk our paths of our life and we will encounter something we've never encountered before and suddenly God's word will apply in a way it's never applied before. That's what God's word does. And so the psalmist delights in the law of the Lord. He delights in reading the Torah. He delights in knowing it. He delights in doing it. And what does he do? The, par- the, the parallel phrase with that is, and on his law he meditates day and night. Daytime, nighttime. He doesn't say, uh, I don't look at those as two options for when you can do your Bible reading. <laughs> so don't, don't, I wouldn't take from there and go, well, day and night. Well, day or night. Day. I could read my Bible in the morning. I could read my Bible at night. I can check the, the little card. Um, where is that? I can check the bookmark. And I, I got it checked off there. And I'm good to go. I did, my, I did my meditating on God's Word. That's not what the psalmist meant. And that's not what the word meditate meant either. Meditate was to ponder something. To mull over. Um, it's like this. A, 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 a cow chews the cud. It's kind of, maybe that's kind of a little yeah, gross kind of expression. If you really know what's going on. Cows, but that cow is getting anything and everything possible out of what he's eating. He's savoring every last bit of it. He's getting anything, he's getting everything he possibly can out of that. All the nutrition he can out of that. That's what that cow's doing. It's meditating on it. It's ruminating. It's chewing the cud. That's why we have that, use that expression when we're pondering something and working it over in our minds and in our words. It's like, it's like a, a dog that is gnawing on a bone. <laughs> and you're like, when is that dog going to stop... And it just keeps going back to it over and over and over. And you, over time you go, wow, that bone used to be big when I threw it to him in the first place. Now it's all down to nothing. It's nasty and yucky and slimy. But that dog is meditating on it. Constantly, day and night. When the psalmist says that, on the, that the blessed man, that the blessed person uh, meditates on God's law, and his word day and night, he means that he ponders it. Not, it's not just a, a, a once a day activity, but his word is with him over and over and over again. That's why in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses, uh, God through Moses said, here's, here's the law, you know, hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then you will take the law and you'll bind it on your foreheads and uh, on your hands and on, put it on your doorposts and you'll talk about it with your children when you get up and when you go out and when you settle down, when you're traveling. It's with you all of the time. The Hebrew world was saturated by 
God's law. Or at least it was supposed to be. (laughs) Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to live a blessed life? Begin to meditate on God's law. Always. Day and night. All the time. Think about how God's word applies in every activity of your life. How does it affect your work? How does it affect your family? How does it affect your play? Most of us, most of us have some concept of being a, a, a quote-unquote good Christian at work. Um, most of us have a concept of we should pray with our family, um, even maybe even read the Bible every once in a while as a family, or at least encourage it. Um, but how does it affect our play? how we recreate, how we entertain ourselves. Pondering and meditation, it's not a one-time activity, but it applies to the entire life. Look what else. So a blessed person, just go through it, a blessed person dissociates from sin, a blessed person delights in God's word, a blessed person meditates on God's word, a blessed person lives a life that produces what God intends. A blessed person lives a life that produces what God intends. And I I put it that way very specifically. That qualifying phrase, what God intends, is very important because We can read verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Oh, we love this one. In all that He does, He prospers. Do you feel like in everything you do, you prosper? I don't. (laughs) Not even close. Not even close. Maybe it's because I don't have enough faith. Maybe it's because I haven't been reading my Bible enough. Maybe that's it. Well, no. Don't go there. Hold on, hold on. Wait wait with me. Wait for it, wait for it. Stay on target. Okay? In all that he does, he prospers. God prospers and produces what he intends in a person's life. But th- there's purpose, though, to the, to the blessed person's life. A blessed person takes God's word and purposes it in his life. There is intention there. He is planted, it says, a tree is planted by streams of water. This is not a tree that grew up wild somewhere, maybe next to a river or next to this or that. This is a cultivated tree. Somebody took this tree and said, here is a culvert of water. I'm going to plant it next to this water so that it can get watered and it can get nutrients. Or you could, you could say in our case, in our, in our uh, place that we live, we've got all these orchards, orchards planted and what do we do? We devise the irrigation systems. We bring the water to the orchards. Whatever the case is, they didn't really have the the same kind of irrigation processes, although they did build a lot of canals and aqueducts and things like that, even back in the time of the psalmist. But the point here is that there is purpose and intention in this person's life. Nothing happens to us by accident, or at least nothing good happens to us by accident. We don't accidentally grow more mature. We don't accidentally grow more spiritual. We don't accidentally grow closer to Jesus. That's just not going to happen. We don't accidentally know more of God's Word. We purpose and intend for our life to be a certain way. And this tree is planted so that it will yield its fruit in season, so that its leaves will not wither away and die, because it's planted and rooted In all that he does, he prospers. It brings about a life that's fruitful and productive. God, it is it is God. Even though uh, I know I know I'm I am 
I'm bringing in some, some ideas from outside of the, the actual words here because it doesn't say that uh, specifically that it's God who decides what prosperity is. But we have the rest of God's word to show us what, what prosperity is according to God. What is success according to God? Faithfulness. Fruit-bearing. That our lives are growing in character. That our lives are growing in um, our knowledge of Jesus and his, and his word and His story. That our lives are growing more and more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Being conformed to the image of Christ. The image of His Son. That is not going to happen by accident. It will not. God will accomplish great things, fruitful things, productive things in our life if we are committed to Him and His ways. If we are intentional about making our life according to His Word. A blessed person, too, finally, has a secure future and a secure reward. But look what happens to the wicked in verse 4. The wicked are not like this tree. They're not like it. And the, and the psalmist doesn't say they're like a withered up tree that is in the desert that doesn't have a lot of rain, doesn't have any water. No, he doesn't say they're like a tree. He says they're like chaff. Do you know what chaff is? It's the nasty stuff that is around the grain um, and you don't want to eat it. It's not good for anything. You just, you thresh the wheat, the grain, and the chaff gets blown away when you throw it up in the air and the, and the, and the, 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 the grain reta- is retained. That's what the wicked are like. Now the psalmist understood that wicked people prosper too. Wicked people have successful lives. Wicked people seem to be very happy a lot of the time. Wicked people throw some really wicked awesome parties. (laughs) But what's going to be the result of their life? When the storm comes in their life, what is going to remain? A whole lot of nothing. It's all blown away. Therefore, verse 5, So the psalmist uses the illustration of the chaff getting blown away. And then he gets to the theological point here. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the assembly. So when God judges the world, where are the wicked to be found? They will not be able to stand. They will bow in fear, and they will will be cast off into judgment. They will not be in the congregation of the righteous. They will not be numbered with God's people. That's the end result for the wicked. But, verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God knows the way, knows the life, knows the path of those who are committed to Him and His Word. The blessed man is a righteous man and has a future and has a hope. When the judgment takes place, where will the righteous person stand? Amazed. Remember the old song, I stand amazed in the presence? We will stand amazed amazed, but we'll stand nonetheless and we will be invited in to God's presence and we will share in the reward that He has for us. God knows who are His. You know, when the, when the Bible says the Lord knows, Yahweh knows, Yada, He knows intimately. He's not just aware. It's not a cognitive knowing. It's He knows because He chooses, because He elects, because He loves. And He has a relationship with His people. 
Jesus shared this story, and I want to close with it. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, your right, my left. He will separate the sheep, or separates the sheep, He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Well, the psalmist may not have had that exact illustration in mind, maybe not that exact picture, but I think he's pretty close to it. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation or the assembly, the gathering of the, of the righteous. What's going to happen to them? Eternal judgment. What's going to happen to those who know God and He knows them? Eternal life. Life. How do we live a blessed life? We live a blessed life by living according to God's Word. It gives us everything we know we need for salvation and for life and godliness. So that we can enter into life, (laughs) and so that we can walk in that life, here and now. What should we do about it? How do we live according to God's Word? Well, let me offer just a, a couple of suggestions. Individually, you as an individual, every single one of us, as an individual, we are responsible before God for our relationship with Him, are we not? You know, we, Christianity and, and, and salvation is not just an individual thing, but it's certainly personal. It's certainly personal. I mean, we're called to live together in community as a church, but it's, there's some personal applications to it. So personally, read the Bible. Study, meditate on it. Know God's Word. Know God's Word. Do it, do it this, this year. You know, use these. Use these. I think, uh, well, I'm using them. Because if I don't, it won't happen. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. If I don't have a plan, I don't follow it, it's not happening. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Get in the Word. Read God's Word. Read it together with us. Been an interesting weekend. Um, the clock turned over, and a couple of my girls said, "Where's the Where's the Bible reading plan for for the next for the new year? Where is it?" 
What do I do? What do I read? Um, Ariel, did you get through the whole Bible last year? No, I didn't either. I worked really hard at it, but I missed a few days. Somebody did. Somebody in this room did, I know. Read through the, through the whole, well, maybe not the whole Bible, but the whole pl- plan from last year. But we're going to do it. As a family, we're going to read it together, and then we can, <laughs> who knows, maybe those will become points of discussion as we, as we rise, as we, as we travel, <laughs> as we sit down and decompress at night. You know, we're going to read it together, corporately. As, how do we do it as a body? How do we do it together? Well, the Bible is central to our discipleship groups, to our missional communities. What else do we have to study? I mean, if we want to study other things, we can go to other groups. When we gather together for worship, what else are we going to center our lives on and focus our lives on but God's Word? These are obvious things. We just need to be reminded to do them. Maybe 2015 is an okay year to have a resolution, to resolve to be in God's Word more, to resolve to have a plan. This is a plan. You can have your own plan, but this is a good plan. To resolve to have a plan to read God's Word. Have a plan or you won't get anywhere with it, really, without it. God's Word is, is, our, is, is one of the first values that we have as a church that we've talked about in the past and we've shared at times and we looked at the book of Acts and we saw how the apostles loved God's Word and spread it. It's one of our values and we want to keep it there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the psalm. Uh, Thank you for what it has meant to me in my life um, ever since I was a child. And um, the reminder that it is for me to watch the way I live my life and make sure that I'm dissociating from sin, um, that I'm protecting my life from sinful actions and attitudes and ways of life that are just going to harm me and, and are contrary to the way you want me to walk. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word and for giving me a desire and a, a delight and a joy in your word. Um, Lord, help me to meditate on it, ponder it, um, and, and understand how your word affects every area of my life. Lord, um, Lord, I pray that this year will be a very intentional year, that 2015, um, I will grow closer to you. I will grow um, spiritually um, through the plan I have in place to read through God's word. Lord, um, you will accomplish um, your intentions for my life this year. And Lord, I ask that it will be great things. I ask that it will be things in my life that um, would be hard to imagine right now. Um, God, I pray that you will do even greater things in 2015 than what you did last year in my life and in this church. God, um, thank you for the hope that we have, the promise that we have, the future that we have with you. The reward of being face-to-face with you, of being able to stand at the judgment and then to enter your kingdom and enter into your glory. God, I just pray that you will keep us and help us to respond in the way that we need to respond to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, um, let's stand as, as a song plays, and uh, please feel free to sing along.
And then if there's a way you want to respond, um, I would love to pray with you or for you. Um, if, you're, if you have a prayer need, um, put it on a card, but you can also share it with me directly. And I'll put it in my prayer journal. And um, let's, let's go ahead and, and listen to the music and have a time of response.